I went over to Stacy and I said, uh, Stacy, I'm tired of you being my girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and what I meant is like, I want you to be my wife. I'm tired of you being my girlfriend. That just came out. She's like, what? And I said, I want to get married. I want to marry you. And, and she, I said, are you sure? <laughs> she said, are you sure? And I'll say, you know, in response, sometimes I'll say, well, actually, I always hated your music. I just pretended because, you know, I wanted something out of you. Yeah. <laughs> Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couple Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's esteemed guests, Michael Gurley and his wife, Stacy. Michael is an American musician well-known as the guitarist and lead singer of the band Dada, amongst other accomplishments with other bands such as Butterfly Jones, Lewis and Clark, Mike Gurley and the Nightcaps, Billy Boy on Poison, The Dolls, Wayland, ZZ Lightfoot, and the Kiefer Sutherland Band. Michael and Stacy, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. It's our Hi. pleasure. Thank you. Hi. So, uh, you know, Michael, maybe... Um, and Stacy, you can talk a little bit about how old are you first of all, and how long have you guys been together? We've been together 13 years and uh, I, I'm i 44, I just turned 44. And I'm, Michael I'm is a rock, rock star age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, uh, much older than her, at least, <laughs> at least 10 years older than her, let's just say that, but uh, not quite as mature. <laughs> And can you tell us the story of how you met? Oh, well, okay. So, so I, I was married before and my first husband and I ran a summer camp for special needs adults and he wanted to hire a live band to come up and play one year. And Michael was one of the guys and I had heard of Dada. I had never, I never had one of their records. I don't know why I didn't because Disneyland came out like, when I was in high school, it was amazing. But I came home and my- That was one of our songs called Disneyland. Yeah. That was our song. Like the big- it came out the big, in 92, you know, right? Yeah, it was everywhere. That is it was correct. It was yeah. great. And so I, so I get home from work and my then husband said, oh, I got the live band and these guys, you know, a couple guys I already knew and this guy, Mike Gurley from Dada. And I went, hold on, what? <laughs> Wait, this guy, somebody from Dada is gonna be at my camp? That's so cool. And so- you know, we get there and Mike Gurley walks in and he's got, the, as you know, a lot of people know, the cowboy hat and the thing and the thing. And it was great. And my marriage was terrible. So 
there, I mean, we were attracted, but I was married, so we didn't do anything. And then two, yeah, we we talked we talked a little bit because I thought she was very cute and sweet. He told me I smelled good, and I told her she smelled good. <laughs> Uh, right. <laughs> not knowing I was married. And then I asked my friend Lance, so what's the deal with Stacy? And oh yeah, she's married to Brian. I'm like, what? She's married. So uh, you know, that was it. You know, because I, I knew Brian a little bit. So we it was how many years later? Two, it was like two and a half years later. Actually, this year is six, I think 16 years since so we, it was two years later. Two, yeah, two years we, later. We ran into each other at a party in Los Angeles. Mutual at, friends. At, at, at a thing's called uh, Thanksgiving. Friends, friends Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And she walked in and I, I went, he went like that. And I went, and in my head, I'm like, he remembers me. <laughs> great. So, so I went down. So I asked her, I said, oh, you know, how's Brian? And she said, oh, he's fine. He lives in Idaho. Idaho. And I said, oh, you live in Idaho. And she so, goes, no, we're divorced. I'm single. And he goes, oh, really? <laughs> and, I never do this, but I said, what are you doing tomorrow night? And, and we uh, went out and that was, you know, 13 years ago. And yeah, we've been together ever since. There you go. <laughs> what was your first impression of each other? And how soon did you know that this person was special to you? Well, uh, well, first impression was really good. <laughs> and I have a from that first camp trip that when he came up I have a lot of pictures of the guitar player well when like on our first date we had an easy I, I know that we had even when we were talking when you were still married but after we got together uh I, I felt like we had a lot in common like our, our tempos were similar nobody uh, and and um we had similar interests in music and and entertainment and I it was weird I felt like and I still say this to people I grew up in a small town called Saratoga uh, in Northern California, about 30,000 people, kind of near a mountain. It's kind of a mountain town. Stacy grew up in Hollywood, California. And I always tell people, like, Stacy could have been a Saratoga girl. And my friends are all like, who come from Saratoga? It's like, she's like a Saratoga girl, which means this kind of small town, um, simple. Uh, down to earth. What's that? Yeah, down to earth. And uh, that that was that's important in our relationship. We're both fairly down to earth people, and it was was really cool that she wasn't. She lived. She came from Hollywood, but she wasn't in the business. I meet a lot. Of, I've met a lot of girls in Los Angeles who were either actresses, or musicians, somehow in entertainment. And the fact that she wasn't was immediately attractive. I was to a me. I was a nanny. <laughs> it was not not in the business. My dad was for a long time, but I never. It never, it never interested me to that extent. So now, was, at, at that time that you guys met, how long had you been in the music business by then, Michael? Already 30 years, 25 years, you know, uh, pretty, I guess, yeah, about 25 years. Well, we met, we met July of 2006 and Disneyland came out in 92 and he'd been working in strongly in the business before yeah. then. So even yeah. before I met Stacy, I had uh, lots of time on the road and, you know, I've been in the biz, you know, my whole, you know, since I moved down to LA, you know. What is that lifestyle like and what's it like to get that notoriety? Does it happen like all of a sudden? Is it overwhelming? It was, for me, it was pretty uh, slow in coming. It was a pretty steady ladder. A lot of people thought, oh, you're an overnight success, you know, when Disneyland came out when because we, we had a hit on our first record 
Um, but that was like the fourth or fifth record that I had made. Um, and I had been in Los Angeles for a good, I guess, 11 years, you know, in a bunch of bands, thousands of rehearsal hours, thousands and thousands of recording hours, um, and had gotten very little notoriety, just a little bit, you know, a few fans here and there. Um, but when it happened, it was, it, I'll tell you this, it was really sweet because it was a long time in the making. One of the most exciting things is after the uh, record was on the radio, I remember driving down Sunset Boulevard and hearing the car next to me listening to my song on the radio and singing along to it. I looked over and I, I, I couldn't believe it, you know, and it was really wonderful. Uh, I think as Tom Petty said, life is never better than when you have a song on the radio, you know, a hit song on the radio. And it was pretty sweet. Um, uh, there was a lot of attention coming at us for sure. Uh, but it was, uh, there was so much work involved that you didn't really have time to sit back and go, oh, wow, look what we're doing, you know? Because we were on, I was, we were literally on the road the first year, probably 300 days the first year on the road. Wow. Wow. We opened up for Sting uh, for a good five, four or five months all over the world, Europe. And that was really fun going from playing clubs of 800 people to a thousand people to playing in front of 20,000 people overnight. That was crazy. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, now at the time I did, I did not have a girlfriend at the beginning, but I had, a, I got a, a, a girlfriend pretty early on and that was really tough because we didn't have a real solid base uh, of, of, uh, a long time being together and I got on the road and that was very difficult. That relationship uh, did not, you know, end up lasting, uh, obviously. Um, I'm with Stacy and we're married now and very happy, but uh, that was difficult. So you didn't really have kind of a, a long-term committed relationship all during the time you were touring? I'm sorry, one more time? Uh, you didn't have a long-term committed relationship while you were touring. You were trying to do a long distance thing? I was, yeah, um, it started out as a long distance thing and we did end up moving in together and, and having a pretty long distance relationship and it, long term, long -term too. It, and it, it, what's that? Yeah, no, I was together 10 years with that oh, woman. Wow. Okay. And uh, the relationship itself wasn't the greatest relationship. So the, 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 uh, uh, on the road stuff I did did not help. Now with Stacy, um, we have we're very trusting. You know, we have total trust in each other. Well, now that that sounds good, and but it took me a long time to get there in relationships. Well, and me too because I was divorced, and there were you know really specific things that that ended the marriage it wasn't just like we grew apart there were there was addiction involved and so it took me i mean we started out very very slow we started out slow like really slow because i had you know we both had been in hurtful relationships and so it was it takes time to come back from that and really be able to trust somebody again and mm -hmm. i, I got married very young the first time and so there was that also where you you put all this trust into someone when you're so young and it just kind of you know it sort of falls apart and so it takes a while to build back especially when you're you know when you, I got married in my early 20s and I was divorced you know right around when I was 30 and in those eight years you changed so much 
you know, you're like barely, I was barely out of my teenage years when I got married. And then I was like this full grown responsible going through a divorce woman by the end of it. And you're, you're a completely different person for so many different reasons. So and you both were kind of coming from the same place coming yeah. from these, you know, long-term relationships where there was not much yeah. trust and you, you had to kind of relearn, you know, what mm -hmm. trust really was in a committed partnership. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the first things we actually talked about, you know, <laughs> and Stacy says, I want you because I, I had a problem with um, with confrontation about about certain things. And, and Stacy was like, I want you to always be completely, completely honest, completely honest. I don't care how bad it sounds or what it is. I need you to be completely honest. And it was important that her her reactions to my honesty early on was not one of like, you know, um, freaking out, <laughs> freaking out or anger. She was just kind of like, she listened to me and I went, this is the person I can tell my truths to no matter what they are. And that was really important, especially, uh, no, it doesn't mean I, sorry. It doesn't mean I reacted, you know, in the most calm manner every time, but I told him as, as things developed, I said, you know, it's how I react should have no bearing on how honest you are with because I'd rather hear the bad stuff from you. Not like there was lots of bad stuff, I don't mean that, but anything that came up that was uncomfortable, said I'd much rather hear it from you than hear it from someone else. Because if I hear it from someone else, it means that we're not talking about something. Mm -hmm. And that was a big, big issue for me. Big, it had to be totally upfront. How did each of you sort of figure out what you really needed in relationships going from those more unhealthy ones to, you know, having some deal breakers in this one. I think that's exactly it. Having really unhealthy relationships, you figure out what you don't want. And so you, your, your, your standards, I guess that's right, or your standards go way, way up and you have a much, at least I did, I had a much lower tolerance for bullshit. <laughs> you know, I just, I didn't have patience for it anymore. I'd been in a couple of bad relationships and I just, I couldn't do it. I was in my thirties by that time. And I said, I, I have too much to lose. I want a family. I want to be happy. And there are things that I just won't tolerate anymore. Um, and, and for me, it was getting somebody I, I felt really comfortable that I could be honest with. Um, and that was, that was key. Um, I'd come from relationships where I always felt a little guilty about things. Even, I just, <laughs> even when I didn't feel as though I had done something really wrong, it's just, it was always something a little bit off. I think you can you can kind of tell when something's not. I tried to I tried to fit myself. I tried to fit myself into these relationships with other people and change to make my life fit with theirs, etc. Which you do have to, you know, you have to adapt compromise. and you have to compromise. But I was really trying to change who I was to please them and fit into a certain mold what I thought they wanted. And that does, that didn't work with me at all. And with them, uh, we also use humor quite a bit. Uh, we we fake fight a lot, fake which, fight. Really works. which Harrison also thinks is pretty. All right, fun. tell us about the fake yeah, fight. Fake what is fight? that? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. Really, we just kind of. I, I don't know. Wait, maybe you can. I don't know. Humor is a, a big part of our relationship and why it works so well. We're able to joke about our inadequacies quite well, you know. Stacy's neater than I'm I am. Such a, I'm I'm a self 
admitted germaphobe. I admit it. And Michael I'm, is yeah. not the person. I'm a sloppy musician, it's... you know. <laughs> and I will make fun of her uh, germaphobe thing, and she'll make fun of my sloppy thing, and we'll take it to the extremes, you know. I don't know exactly how to to fake fight right now. No, no. <laughs> but we'll we'll call each other names. I mean. I, I always tell my friends, I say, look, I can call my I can call my wife a bitch as long as I put the word hot in front of it. <laughs> Not a problem, you hot bitch. You know, and she'll laugh. Now is that kind of like the, your way of um saying what you're frustrated about and accepting the person at the same time? Exactly. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think we're good about saying when we're really frustrated in the moment, I think we're both pretty good about saying it anyway, but I feel like fake fighting play fighting i feel like it relieves the tension before it even happens mm. you know we just kind of get it out there in the open in this fun way and then the tension doesn't build in the first place which that that helps so much like for example like i'll i'll have the top shelf in my refrigerator oh, we yes. all have our own shelves mine's kind of disgusting how many times have i opened the refrigerator door and something falls out at me and she'll she'll say something. Oh, it looks like a you know, it looks like a bear got into your top shelf. That's just again. Wow. Are you are you nine years old still? You can't clean. Yeah, and she'll will laugh at it, and then I'll call her a germaphobe and you know or whatever, and um, and or I'll be like wanting I'll have a new song that I want to play for, but she's in the middle of taking care of Harrison or doing something, and I'll say, oh, I see you don't you don't really value my talent or you don't you, you think i'm a lousy songwriter now wow things have really go, changed yeah, things I have really, really things have really changed from where with mike Gurley from dada now i'm just the guy making noise <laughs> you know, with the guitar and i'll say you know in response sometimes i'll say well actually i always hated your music i just pretended because you know i wanted something out of you yeah and <laughs> so so yeah we'll just and it's funny she has a good sense of humor i like her sense of humor obviously very important in relationships I'm, that's nothing so new so you, you utilize sarcasm in a in a very healthy way. Yeah, puns. We like puns a lot. Yeah, Harrison also is getting into puns. He thinks that that's pretty funny. He's starting to get the idea, even if he doesn't totally understand them. He gets the idea of what's happening. And, so, and instead of like, um, yeah, I'm sorry. That's a no, it's okay, yeah, Harrison does like puns, but like Stacy will make, we make up songs all the time at, at home uh, well, for Harrison. We. No, but no, my point is that she's actually pretty good at making songs. Like she'll come up with a better lyric off the top of her head for some silly song about, you know, Harrison, there's no comparison, you know. And <laughs> better me, I'm like, oh, so now you're a better songwriter than me. Great, fantastic. <laughs> Great, and now you're, now, now I have nothing. I have nothing at all. So do, you, of, do you guys of, know how, what percentage of issues in relationships will never change or an individual person will never change? I have no idea. 69. It's a lot. Yeah, it will never change. I think I would have guessed yeah. even higher. I think I would have guessed maybe like 85% or something. You have to accept these things yeah. and, and uh, embrace them. Embrace the differences quite a bit. It's really nice. That's part of the fun, you know? Yeah. And Michael, you were talking earlier about, you know, kind of molding yourself for relationships in the past. You know, I was wondering how much does the music industry kind of play into that? As far as like that kind of theme of having to mold yourself for people, now, well, um, that's a good, good question. I'm, I'm working. I work with a lot of different artists, and uh, I'm working with a country artist now from Nashville. I'm not 
uh, you know, I, yeah, I sometimes I wear cowboy hats, but that's that's not really my scene. Um, but I, I I do have to put on a lot of different hats. Uh, I've I've worked with teenagers, you know, uh, making records mm -hmm. with te teenagers called the band called the Billy Boy and Poison oh, Band. Well, if you if you're speaking of just musically, he I've seen him mold himself into so many different things, including doing a semi hip hop rap song for a German Disney commercial. So, yeah, wow. I mean, I've seen him kind of do everything. Yeah, in that I, I have a, I have like a Frank Sinatra type band. I have so I do. If your question is kind of like, am I able to mold myself? that way and and i have learned quite a bit to to do that and work with so many different people um now you so i think i'm pretty good at adapting to different situations and different personalities but you do have to keep that um yourself in there uh as much as you can too you know but i i think i think what you're getting at is is maybe it's helped me kind of adapt to different personalities and in relationships and i maybe i finally finally realized uh I could use that to, to my benefit when I met Stacy. I don't know, maybe. Do you find that um, Stacy having that boundary of, I need the truth and, you know, don't hide things from me and tell me everything, that that helps each of you become better versions of yourselves? Definitely. Yeah, I think so. Cause there's, definitely, a, you, definitely. you don't have to keep track. I mean, <laughs> get into a relationship where there's secrets and you have to keep track of what secrets you're keeping and from whom and it's it can get so messy and I'm I'm just naturally a really honest person even you know as a child I was never a, a rule breaker I was always a rule follower for sure and it it's always been so important to me it was really it was stressed in our in our home when I was growing up that we'd be honest my brother and I and so it's all it's been it's something that's really at the top of my list. And then of course, again, being in a relationship where a lot of secrets were kept from me that I found out, you know, three and four and five years after the fact, that really, it really kind of drove that point home that honesty is, is really so crucial to, to making things work. Just really crucial. And there were, there were definitely times he told me things that I did not like that, you know, resulted in, you know, tears and uncomfortable, but, but Ultimately, when it's all no said and done, now. but then there's no secrets and we just know everything and you can, you can just have that moment and you can process it and decide what you want to do with it instead of investing your time in something that you think is real and finding out later that it's not. And then having to decide what to do with something you've invested so much in. I think that's such a common pattern for so many, especially early on in relationships that we don't speak our truth and we don't let people in when it's easier than before you're so invested before you have a home together and children together and all that other kind of stuff mm -hmm. and there's a great reduction of shame that starts to happen and you know i think this idea of you know boys should line up on the scrimmage line shove all their feelings down and bulldoze the kid in front of them right it's kind of they're taught that you know i, I should just behave and say what people want to hear instead of what my truth is. And it's very liberating to be in a relationship like that. I think that was our experience mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah, like what you said with men, I mean, I'm, I'm so careful. Well, not just me. We both were so careful with Harrison. We never tell him, you know, when he's crying, we never say, now it's okay. And, don't, you know, we always acknowledge that he's sad. And 
And he himself tries to hide it sometimes. I don't know where it comes from, but he like he doesn't want us to see him crying sometimes. And it's such my it's first okay, thought is like it's such a boy thing. It really is like he kind of naturally has done this because we've never told him not to cry. And we always when he gets upset, oh wow, you're really frustrated right now, Harrison. And and you know, oh, I'll, I'll even from the time he was really young, I would say things like, "Oh, mom said that I can't do whatever it is, and that makes me really mad." And you know, it would always calm him down to have his feelings acknowledged. Acknowledged, yeah. like, "Oh, these are real feeling feelings, and I'm allowed to have them." But now he's like going through this stoic phase where he told Michael the other day, "Oh, I have something in my eye. Can you wipe it?" He was crying for something that he thought I was going to be upset about, which I wouldn't have been anyway. And he like was trying to hide what had happened. I don't know. I guess it's just kind of a, you know, another phase that we're about to go through, but. Now, I have, Harrison is almost three. Yeah. yeah right? He'll be three on November 25th. Yeah. And was it always the plan to have kids in your marriage? About. It was always my plan. That's something I've always, that was her always plan. wanted. I, I had to warm up to it. And then I was really, I couldn't wait. And, but that we, we wanted to have a kid. We were, I think we tried about to start about six years ago. And then about three years later, we finally had, had took, us, took us a while. Oh, yeah. it was longer than that. <laughs> but I wanted to touch on your point, Jean, about, about truth, you know, about uh, it. You know, I was, I was raised in a family. My parents are wonderful. Amazing. Amazing. A great family, but I don't know where it came from, but I, I had to hide. I, I felt like I had to hide a lot of my stuff. And it took me a long time to get truthful in my life. I mean, a long time into my forties. Um, it was my big, it was one of my big hurdles. And when I was, um, I look back at all of my relationships and it all had to do with secrets. And I wasn't, when I first was in a long-term relationship, I, I wasn't a great boyfriend. Um, I, well, I'm not talking about all the way back to high school. I'm okay. talking about later on. Um, and I, 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 I thought there was there was even this thing on the road. I hope I'm not giving up too many secrets of the road. There was like this, the 500 mile rule. I heard that early on. It's like, well, if you're 500 miles away from your loved one or your girlfriend or whatever, every, anything goes, right? And it, while it's true that you can get away with stuff easier, you, you might get away with it for a little while, but it always comes back to get you, always. Um, and I, I did, I did some cheating, and it, it did not do me any good. Um, uh, and, and I learned a lot from that. You know, it, it, it uh, ended up hurting me uh, quite a bit as a person. Just, uh, I didn't like who I was, and I've actually had a lot of. Um, since I'm in a good relationship, I've actually had other musicians like say, "How do you do it? There's be cheating on their wife or something." Um, or their girlfriend, and they're and they they they're having a blast, and then they'll come to me in tears, and like say, I can't, I I don't know what to do. I'm ruining my relationship. I'm hot. What do you do? And it, there's no easy answer. The best answer is get in a, a relationship that you that you <laughs> love the other person you would do anything for. But the other answer is to take it day by day, and make sure that day you do something for that person. You call them on the phone. We we do FaceTime. Every, when I'm on the road, we do FaceTime once or twice a day. That mm -hmm. that connection, FaceTime is a great thing for relationships, I think. Yeah. You know, I get to see Harrison. I get to see my wife. We look at each other. We kiss each other goodnight. 
we 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 you know blow kisses to each other we tell each other we look into each other's eyes and that's that's a lot different from the old days when you wouldn't see your girlfriend for two months and you talked to her on the phone for five minutes every three days because you'd have to get to a pay phone or the hotel phone or whatever and so phones that's the best thing about cell phones i would say because otherwise they've they've corrupted society in a bad way <laughs> right but, if you can use FaceTime to, to, to your advantage, um, I, I implore that, you know. It's you know, Michael, I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because, you know, men are taught to kind of compartmentalize everything. You know, we kind of put our feelings aside, put them on the shelf, you know, look at them. You know, we define strength as not being vulnerable. And society, you know, society kind of teaches us that. And, you know, I think you really hit on it, and that is that, you had to kind of get right with yourself, you know, because that's, that's really where that change happened, you know, for you to be able to be open to a relationship that was healthy and, you know, because you got healthy yourself. And that, and that's, that's, that's a huge thing for a lot of men out there that they need to know that. Yeah. And I, I, I had to, you know, I went into some therapy and uh, I have no problems talking about that. It helped me. It was amazing. Um, it, it helped me, you know, that, and people yeah, would say, well, my therapist is not that smart. And I might, I did again. I said, look, it's not about the therapist being smart. It's not about them having your answers. It's about getting the shit that's inside your brain and inside your emotions. And well, not inside your emotion. It's about getting all those uh, pent up uh, lies and secrets that you've been holding on for years and just get them out. You know, that's the most important thing. Just get them out. And if you can get, those out with the, your loved one as well. I mean, your loved one should never be your therapist. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think if you don't have that stuff in there, and I, like you said, I finally got right with myself, which was purging a lot of that stuff. And then I was able to be in a healthy relationship because I was healthy myself. And that's, I mean, that's when we really started to really come together as a, a, an actual couple instead of like we're dating and it's you we know, took it very slow we did take it very slow we didn't move in together for four years mm, okay but, yeah, how did you guys decide that so okay so we'd been together you know about four years and he was going on tour and i was living in an apartment that i couldn't afford anymore and i told him like i gotta make a decision here and i said if I moved to another apartment. I can't keep doing this because then I'm just moving sideways where I'm not moving forward. And he goes, well, I guess you can stay at my place while I'm gone. <laughs> I said, so when you get back, does that mean I have to move out? And he goes, well, no. <laughs> I needed to be, I needed to be, I needed to be nudged a little bit. And sometimes ultimatums, even though she didn't put them, that. I tried not to give him ultimatums because she tried I, not I don't, to, but it I kind of is like it, anyway. It is. Anyway, I needed to be nudged a little bit, you know. Maybe more. I was than still a little. Bit. I was still a little fearful about committing. I still was, yeah. and I, I thank God that she did move in because that you know really started the relationship to it brought it to another level. And I did. I did move in while he was on tour, so I was able to take my entire life that was in my apartment and then some, and get it all organized and put away so that. When he got home, it, his space that I moved into didn't really look much different than when he had left. And I think that helped a lot too, that he came home to the same place 
instead of I had just dropped my stuff everywhere. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. A lot of airplanes going over right now. <laughs> we're not hearing them. Oh, okay, good. Right. Yeah. Good. No, we're not. You know, it's interesting. So, you know, as, as parents, you know that when children look at you, they have these mirror neurons. So if it's a baby and you stick your tongue out, they stick their tongue out, right? And what happens to couples over time is we start to mirror each other's brains. And so when you talk about things like dishonesty, you can't mirror something that's not real. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about doing something like cheating, when you have those mirror neurons firing at the same time in both of your brains, you can feel your partner's pain of the behavior you're doing, which is a big part of, you know, why you would stop doing that because you're hurting them and you're disrespecting yourself. And you can feel that, which is a really big part of our growth as becoming more mature adults mm -hmm. and, you know, commitment and, you know, really caring and, and becoming a partner with someone. Yeah. There well, was, there was an, I, I look back at some of those old times and there wasn't, there was like an exact equation that would happen. Um, if I started seeing somebody on the road, uh, even for a day or two, as much as I was giving to that new little excitement relationship, it was taking away the exact same amount from my, my relationship with my girlfriend back home. I could just, I could sense the, the distance they created like immediately within the first phone call, mm -hmm. I could sense a distance between the two of us. And it was almost the exact amount. If I was kind of into this new girl, just for fun, if I was really into her, I was farther away from my girlfriend. If I wasn't that into her, just a little bit different. It was an equation that never altered really. Never. It was. Yeah. It's, it's like a bank account and you took something out of this one. And put it up Yeah. There. It's weird how exact it was almost every time. So, so that I know about that now, you know, and I would, if I did that to my wife and my son, I would just, I would just there's no way. This is no way I would take anything away from what we have. And we say, uh, I'm going to play a song in a little bit that I told you about. Um, we, we, we tell each other, not just the bad stuff, but the good stuff all the time. Like we say that we got a good thing going. We say that mm -hmm. all the time, maybe we once do, or twice yeah. a day. We got a really good thing down, good, don't we? We do. It's really good to, to talk about the good stuff too. Yeah. And I we, mean, we're, we're not rich. We don't live really fancy. You know, we live in an apartment in a really urban part of the valley in Los Angeles. And so we're not living like some big, grand, luxurious life financially, but we have a great relationship and we always have. And I really believe it's because we both were so honest right from the beginning. So there's there's just nothing to hide. I mean, he told me like everything he was just telling you about being on the road and, you know, having relationships on the side. He told me all that right from the beginning. And it was so important because, you know, like I said before, it allowed me to make my own decisions about how I wanted to proceed. If I wanted to proceed, well, obviously I, I did, but we, you know, we, we connected so well and, and honesty really, I think that's the number one thing in any relationship, whether you like what you hear or not, and whether you decide to stay or move on. I think honesty is, that's, that's your only chance, really, I think, you know, and there's other things that come around. But like, like, I was just talking about how we, we share chores around the house. And we, yeah. if we're really tired, we'll just say I'm cranky. And then the other person knows like, okay, I'll give, you know, really give them a little space. <laughs> I don't and, know if you guys do that, but I'm really cranky right now. Watch out. 
Yeah. So, okay. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> I'll be over here with my guitar in a corner writing songs. His cranky is like, I'll take his cranky over some other people's good days anytime. Let me tell you, he's like the most, he cranky is kind of a misnomer for him because he doesn't have like really. That's nice of you to say. Yeah, that's true. I I get cranky. We all get, everybody gets cranky. Everybody gets cranky, but he's like. So we will tell each other that, you know, early in the morning sometime or late at night. Um, And I think I was reading an article with somebody else and we laughed because it's like, Sometimes the only thing we ever fight about or disagree about is who's more tired, yeah. you know, yeah. who's more tired. No, I only slept four and a half. Well, I slept four hours and 20 minutes. So, you know, that's, yeah. but that's just, you know, when you have a toddler and you're not sleeping very much, I'm that, and you, after a while, you just have to realize you're only human. You're going to get cranky. You're going to get tired. It's mm-hmm. how you handle those things, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so, well, that's why when I was talking about, we talk about the good things out loud too. Mm-hmm. It, it helps. It really does help. It's like taking stock. Yeah. What I mean, what you're talking about is communication and just being really open and sharing your experience, your human experience, right? And there's, you know, our partner is the closest human being we can ever have mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And creating the what we call the inner sanctum, where within that sanctum is, you know, the couple. And that's where you share your deepest, darkest feelings and vulnerable vulnerability with. That's that's really what you guys are talking about. Yeah. And especially when parenting comes into play, because as you know, it's it's a big life change. No matter how much you want it, it's a big life change. And it's so, so on that know, note. On that note. No, on that note about great. communication. This is kind of a fun little song. It's a fun little song. This is actually going to be on my new. I'm doing kind of like a country record. Like I said, I wear many different hats. I've made the uh, Sinatra. I've made a lot of rock records, and I'm almost done with my country record, and this is going to be on it. Uh, It's a pretty simple song called Tell Her. I think it's about communication. Tell her you love her at least 10 times a day. Tell her you need her in every way if you want to be her fella. Tell her, tell her she's pretty first thing in the morn, though her eyes and her hair may be tired and worn, also when she's looking quite stellar, tell her, when she's down and needs a helping hand, listen and tell her you understand, you can talk, you know, unlike old yeller, so just tell her. Yeah, tell her. Oh, when I was a boy, I thought it was cool to be caught. But that's a game and I don't want to play it. You got something on your mind. Say the words and you will find. It's better if you just come right out and say it. When you're gone halfway across the world, remind her that she's the only girl. You can Alexander Graham Beller and tell her. If you're sorry for something you have done, though a vow of silence might be good for a nun, if I were you, I'd climb out of that cellar and just tell her. Oh! Tell her you love her a thousand times a day 
And that you need her in every way If you want to be a fella Tell her Yeah, tell her That was fabulous. That's a little tear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's such a big thing because uh, we'd never hear that enough. You know, and we are so easy to share that negativity. It moves so much faster in the world. And to come and say the softer, more kind thing is what we all want and what we're all looking for and what we all need. And we forget it. It feels good when you do it. It's mm -hmm. like giving a gift is a lot better than receiving a gift. I mean, it, it, most of the time, you know, so it takes, so it's kind of like practice though. I felt with me, it, it took me a while to be able to, to open up enough to, to be like that. So um, I find out it makes you a better person and it, it, it brings more joy to your life, mm -hmm. which is kind of what we're all after, you know? So let's hear the engagement story. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, so we always talked about not getting married because I mean, it wasn't a conversation like we don't want to get married. It was just never a thing because I was married before and it didn't I had the big wedding. It didn't matter to me. It wasn't important. We, just, we have this great relationship. And he would joke. He would say sometimes like, said, so if we if we ever got married, would you take my last name? And I said, why are we getting married? <laughs> You know, things like that. And this is years ago. And after Harrison was born, I, I was complete. Okay. He can't keep a secret, this guy, which also <laughs> is great for a relationship. He can't keep a secret. <laughs> but this, he, I don't even know how long he was planning this. He says I months. I planned it for six months. Six months. So in January, I knew I wanted to propose to her. But I wanted to, we, each year, <clears throat> my family, uh, it's a big, it's a large. So Harrison was about two months old when this whole idea started in his. So every family. year, my family, it's a large, pretty large extended family. It's like 40, 45 of us. That since my grandfather started back in 1965, I think, um, where every year we go up near Napa into Northern California and stay at these kind of rundown cabins where there's a creek and a pool and. No cell phone reception. It's great. It's, great. it's like going back in time to Maybear RFD or something, you know? And a lot of people in his family play guitar, harmonica, yeah. sing. It's great. So yeah. so we have this tradition at the end of our campfire song, we, uh, our, our campfire night, I should say, that we do all sorts of songs. All, you know, we, we'll play for like three hours. And at the end of the night, we always play this old song called, called uh, Goodnight Irene. And... <clears throat> what we do, there's a lot of creative people in the family. People will, will sing the song. Uh, I can't even think. Two verses. There's yeah. two. Oh. And what will, people will start making up their own verses. <laughs> Sometimes I live in the country. Sometimes I live in the town. Sometimes I have a great notion. Jump in the river and drown. Singing Irene, good night. Irene, good night. Good night, Irene. Good night, Irene. I'll see you in my dreams. But it's just an old folk song from whatever, 1795. And so what we'll start making up verses. Well, this week uh, we went down to the pool. We really had a great time. But that best thing we ever did was sing around the campfire here at Whispering Pines. You know, so that'll be like one of the verses. And this has gone on since the 80s. You know what I mean? 
is a tradition. We always end and people will sing songs. So I thought, I have an idea. <laughs> On the porch at the end of the campfire, I'm gonna go propose to Stacy with everybody around. I did it very quietly. And it's funny, it's the first, I say, <laughs> you never know exactly what you're gonna say. Both of the first things that we said. You never know exactly what you're gonna say. I knew I, knew I had my, I wanted to do it musically for everybody to hear. But first of all, I had to tell her in private. And I went over to very quietly and I said- and Harrison's asleep in my lap, you know. And there's 35 people around us and they're like, why is my, I, I told my uncle Steve, I said, I'm putting my guitar down. And I said, save me the last verse. I want to sing the last verse. So I went over to Stacy and I said, uh, Stacy, I'm tired of you being my girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and what I meant inside is like, I want you to be my wife. I knew he wasn't breaking up with me though. I'm tired of you being my girlfriend. That just came out. She said, what? And I said, I want to get married. I want to marry you. And, and she, I said, are you sure? <laughs> she said, are you sure? Because nobody ever thought I was, you know, oh, my girl is never going to get married, never going to have a kid. Even I thought he was never going to get married. We, the, we lived together. He's the unmarrying bachelor, not never have a kid. Rock and roll. So, but, you know, things change. And uh, anyway. Um, well, and when I got pregnant, when we told everybody I was pregnant, that was like. Yeah. That was so, huge news. So, everybody was. Floored. So we cried a little bit. She hugged me. Harrison was there. It was beautiful. We hugged each other. And everyone's like. What's what going on? Going Are they on? okay? And 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 uh, we're very quiet about it. Plus, the song is still playing, and so I go back. Does it make sense? Am I yeah. right? Yeah. And but the song is playing the whole time, and people right. are still singing their verses. And I go back and I pick up my guitar, and Steve goes, my uncle Steve goes, Mike, it's going to take the last verse because I told him say the last verse for me, and I sang the words, um, I really love my Stacy. This I must confess. And tonight I asked her a question. I said, will you marry me? And she said, yes. And everyone went, ah! <laughs> 45 people on the porch screamed as loud as they could. And people who had gone to bed already were woken up by the screaming. <laughs> My friend Lance, who's an actor, um, said, ah, very theatrical, very, very, very theatrical, very nicely done. And Michael's uncle, Steve, who is the one who taught him to play guitar and kept the whole thing going while this was transpiring said, well, Mike, thanks for ruining a great song. We'll never do that one again. <laughs> and, then, and the following year was COVID and we didn't even go on our vacation. So oh. anyway, he was kind of great. <laughs> so that, I mean, that was awesome. You had like a private engagement first before for, you know, for, doing a public one. I mean, two minutes. I had, mm -hmm. you know, it was literally right before he took that last verse. He came Do you over. appreciate that as opposed to him doing it publicly and you oh, being? Gosh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't even like when it's my birthday. I don't even want people to sing happy birthday to me at the table. Mm -hmm. If we're in a restaurant, I'm very, I'm not, I mean, I'm a little bit on social media, but not as not anything really personal. It's more of a, it's like a little pet project that I have that I do on the side, but I don't post anything personal Nobody wants to know what I had for dinner. They don't care. <laughs> and I don't have the time. I, I care. To, well, Michael cares, but <laughs> but I just, I, I'm not a, I'm not a really, I'm chatty and I'm social, but I, I'm also really introverted more than anything. And I, I'm, I'm not one of those people who meet somebody and all of a sudden we're besties. And you don't want to me to post you at a basketball game no. and put it up on the scoreboard. <laughs> you see that one time where they did in the yeah. girls. The girl walked oh, out. Oh, God, that's so heartbreaking. That poor guy. You know, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm private. I'm kind of a private person. Well, we really appreciate you doing this podcast then because, <laughs> you know, this is kind of public. It is, yeah, it I know, is kind I was, of public. I was glad he you was said surprised yes. when, he, when I said yes. Yeah. I and can, can you guys talk about how being parents transformed your relationship? Oh, I think it's definitely made it better. So much better. So much better. We just, we wanted it so much. I didn't so think it would get that much better and it got better. Yeah, we wanted it so much and it took us so long to have Harrison. It was, so by the time it got here, it was like really. There there are always trying times when you're super tired, but it just adds so much love. It's just amazing how much love and how much even more humor uh, in the relationship it's than like there was a, before. Michael and, says it's like having a drunk comedian around all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in, and then, of course, seeing what a wonderful parent and mother mm -hmm. she is, I get to see this side of her that's very natural to her. Mm -hmm. You know, she's a very natural mother. I mean, most mothers are, I guess, but um, it's just, it's really heartwarming for me to see that. And he does tell her <laughs> often. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's that's really great because you know a lot of couples having a child can actually make them more distant mm -hmm. because oh, now they're just focusing just on the child and they're not also nurturing the relationship at the same time. And there there are definitely aspects of that because you're so tired and you're, you know, and he he hasn't traveled as much since Harrison was born. But you know the little bits that he travels, it's hard and you're tired and. That your hours are just off. We're both not morning people, but Harrison's up at like 5.30 or 6. And it's just like, but we've worked it out. We take turns getting up. And and I, I, you know, not really recently, but it's kind of coming to an end now. I, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety that I think was directly related to postpartum. And I didn't really realize it at first. And that was kind of affecting things. And once I addressed that, that really helped a lot. Too. Yeah, that was important. That helped a lot. And we talked about it a there lot. There were some crazy times there, when Harrison yeah. was first born. No doubt about it. Yeah. And there, and there you were... You have to have... you. I, yeah. there, there have been... I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. There have been some musician friends of mine who are older. I'm an older father, you know. My dad was 18 when he had his first child. <laughs> um, yeah. I was not. Um, and there are lots of older guys who like, so dude, you're my hero. You did it. You're mm -hmm. like, you're, you're in your 50s and you had a kid and... I, What's a, how do you do it? And what, what's, and I said, look, you, you better make sure that the woman you're with really wants to have a kid and your guy's relationship is really solid. Don't do it because, oh, it's going to be fun. And, oh, kids are cute. I said, you better make sure because, because I said, because the woman is going to work harder than you. You, you could, she's just, there's no way you're just not the mother, especially the first year. You're just Plus she's breastfeeding mm -hmm. and you know so i said you better my my first advice is make sure you're in a really solid relationship and that the woman is really wants to have a kid not just to to bond with you but really wants to be a mother because a mother's job mm -hmm. is really really hard <laughs> it's really hard it's i say it's 24 7 365 and i'm able to go off and do some work here and there but I love it that she stays. She loves. She loves to be with Harrison. All I love the time. to be home. I love, I love to be with so, him, and I love to take him places. Stiff for everybody, but that's how we work it out. You know? mm -hmm. Now I, I understand that you had kind of a father moment, though, Michael, with touring and you know, and coming home, and you know, kind of uh, and and really kind of realizing what was important. I don't know if you can tell a little bit about that. Yeah. I can talk about that absolutely. Um, I was on the. Uh, I was on the. Uh, road um, with Kiefer Sutherland band and um, 
when Stacy was pregnant and that was, was good in the beginning. I was so sick that I didn't want him around. So it worked out really well. I could just be alone and be. So that was really, that was really a, a strange time. It was a wonderful time because I, I knew that she was pregnant. We couldn't tell anybody. So I, I remember telling, getting on this, on this box and, and telling the crew and Kiefer and everybody, uh, you know, Kiefer's like, everybody shut the fuck up. You know, Mike's got something to say. And I told everybody, hey, I'm going to be a dad. And it was a great night. And we were like in Cincinnati somewhere in a parking lot with a bus. And I mean, a- that's that's how long he was gone. When he left, we we couldn't tell anybody yet because we I was six weeks pregnant and he was still on tour when finally we hit that milestone that we could safely tell people. Yeah. So he was gone for a while. Yeah, I was gone for a while. So um going up in the story a little bit so we have Harrison it's a you know and I think he was like two and a half months old and of course those first months are just they're wonderful they're trying but they're it's it's an incredible process and wonderful um and then I had to go back on the road with Kiefer and I was in Germany for a week or so and I came back and I couldn't wait to see Harrison and Harrison not only did he not recognize me when I got back, but he was scared of me. Yes. Like we had to pull the car over and I had to sit in the back seat with him because he was, I was a scared. Yeah, he was screaming. And that, crying that hit me like a, a ton of bolts. And, and uh, I said, it was kind of like a, a realization that I, I have a choice to make here. I can either be the father on the road for the first three years of this child's life or I can be home. And it was, it was not a tough decision for me, to be honest with you. Cause I, I, you know, one of the good things is I had been on the road for quite a bit in my life, you know, the last 30 years. And he'd been touring with Kiefer for probably three years at that point, More than that, three, four, four or five yeah, years, for a long time. But it was, it was so important to me right at that moment to realize what was going on and just go, that's it. I can't, I can't do this. I can't be this. This is not what I want to do. I want to be home with my child and my wife for this part. And it was a it was a tough phone call that I had to make to Kiefer, um, and I remember telling him. I said uh, I was like really nervous. I put it off for like a like, week. I was very nervous to tell him. Like a month, <laughs> really? Yeah, it was like a <laughs> month. So he put hard. off this phone call. He was so nervous. Kiefer is, you know, he's he's a great guy. He's, but loyalty is very important to him. We started this band together, and I remember calling him. Finally, I I even had a script written down. <laughs> Kiefer, I just want to let you know that it's been a a, a wonderful opportunity. I, and I really love, let me stop you right there, girly. <laughs> I knew once you had that beautiful little boy that my days are numbered with you. Have a wonderful life. And that was that. Oh, that's awesome. And that's yeah. the way it went. And we're still good friends, me and Kiefer. And uh, and it was about two weeks later that they had a, a rehearsal where Michael was helping to sort of train the, the, the new guy. The new guy. And I went down with Harrison and Kiefer walks out. And he sees, you know, we've got Harrison in a little pouch and he walks out and he just bends down and smells his head and he goes, oh, I love the new baby smell. <laughs> it was like, really beautiful. like it just kind of came full circle. And like, yeah, it was, it was really a, a, a good ending to a, a good relationship with them. Yeah. I mean, I, not an ending, I, but you know, I've never regretted that decision. You know, I, I can't see how you would. I mean, that's, that's just an amazing story. And yes, you, you made the right one. Right. I feel like it was a really good decision. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, we always say that the most important thing are our re- relationships in our lives. Yeah. 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 You never walk through a cemetery and it's like, this person had seven gold albums or made X amount of dollars or worked so many hours. It never says that. It just says 
they were loved. Maybe they served the country, but mostly they were loved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you bring up the cemetery thing because I lived in Seattle for about a year and I, I lived really close to where Jimi Hendrix is buried. And so I was able to go up there and kind of see, and it's right, it doesn't say anything about his whole career. It's a family plot. And his mom is there, his dad is there, he has like a like an aunt or a cousin or something. It's this family plot. And it's Jimmy, you know, it's little Jimmy and his family and they're all buried together. And so that's totally what you're saying. Like, and there's a guitar on his headstone. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of it. There's a guitar on there, but it doesn't say, you know, Jimi Hendrix, the amazing guitar player with this incredible career who died too young. It just has his name and a guitar and some family members buried next to him. And it's a really beautiful thing. It's beautiful, but it is, it is, lovely that he could give so much music to the world though that that's so that's one part of being an artist you you have all this uh, you have a lot of things you want to say creatively inside um and it's it is a bit of a, a juggling match of how much you give to your family and how much you you because to put it out in the world you have to work it you have to get into it you have to write the songs uh you have to practice them you have to work them up with the band, you have to go into a studio, you have to record them, you have to mix them, you have to put it, you have to make the artwork, you know, this is to get it out to the world because that you don't, I mean, you can, it's it's enough to to play in your house, that's fine for a lot of people, but since I was very young, I've wanted to be a recording artist, you know, since I was you know, a young teenager, it's always been my dream. And then to realize that was wonderful. So it, it's still, there's still some juggling that goes on with how much time I can devote to it. Um, it's something he struggles with because I can tell that he wants to be a hundred percent with both and it's just not possible. It's not possible. Right. Right. You do have to compromise a little bit. Um, what I, what I love to do, maybe, the, maybe even I uh, was well, same amount as I love to play guitar, but I love to write songs, you know? And so during COVID uh, there was no playing out uh, at all. It was too dangerous. And I probably wrote over 60, 70 songs. I just wrote and wow. wrote and it's good to have that that creative outlet, inlet, whatever you want to call it. It's very important um, to keep that going, even even when the family starts, and you've got to be the dad. And I love being the dad, but if he's good at it I, too, <laughs> I've seen it where people just give up their careers and give up their art, and I don't think that works either. That doesn't work. No, you've got to be able to do. But it is a bit of a balancing act. Absolutely, it is. And one day it might make sense why you have all those songs sitting there. <laughs> it might. <laughs> so last question. What is it that your partner does that you know they love you? Oh, he oh well, I don't there's a lot. <laughs> and there's not just one thing. I mean, you know, from little things to like writing songs for me. He wrote this really beautiful song for my baby shower and he wrote, you know, there's a song on the record that is about me and it's like little things like that but then there's then there's to me what are big things he cleans up the kitchen every night which is <laughs> huge to me that's huge i don't have to worry about it he you know whatever harrison's older now so we have him clean up his own toys but there's that long stretch where they just don't get the concept of putting stuff away because they're too little and i would go put harrison to bed and michael would spend you know half an hour cleaning the whole living room and i'd come out to this perfectly clean living room and it was great it's like you know, he unloads the dishwasher most of the time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's stuff like that. That's like, it shows that he values my time 
and that he knows that I can't just be a hundred percent doing stuff for him and for Harrison and then still have anything left for myself. So he, he has taken that on and it's, it seems like such small stuff, but it's big. Yeah. That's awesome. She's a sweetheart. Um, how do I know that she loves me? I, I mean, I just know, um, what does she do to show she, she shows me every day. I mean, like in the song, I mean, we probably tell each other we love each other <laughs> probably 15 to 30 times a day. And Harrison too. And Harrison. We do this thing that's called a group kiss <laughs> instead of a group hug. We get together and we kiss each other on the we, faces. Yeah. And it's just that love that's really sweet that I, that I value so much, that openness. Um, I, I, she... She listens to she listens to my music. She's always been my biggest when fan. When I can, she, yeah, <laughs> it's harder these days. It's harder, but she she's always supported me in 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 everything I do. He you should know? be a household name. Well, we should be. That's yeah. that's you want your wife to say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she listens to me. She listens to my music, and she she doesn't just kind of go, oh great. You know, I've seen her cry when I've seen sung her songs. You know, she she she. she I feel like she really understands me. Uh, she laughs at my jokes. <laughs> um, she thinks I'm really funny. And I, I feel that I can be my my best around her. I feel like I can be myself around her. Um, and that's how I know she loves me because she's totally accepting of me, you know. Um, and she does she does so much for me. I mean, she this if I was living by myself. <laughs> this place would be a disaster. <laughs> this place would be a disaster. Be such I used a to have... When I was dating girls a long time, they'd walk into my place like, you need a girlfriend. You know, they'd look around. Um, so just the way she she's uh, a mother and, and Even, the way she's a, a wife. And and I mean, I hate to say, use the word, I mean, I don't hate to use the word homemaker, but you make this house a home. And that shows love, that you love, love the fam our family and me. I love you know? to do it. I, when I, was, I don't mean to interrupt, but when okay. I was little, like really little, even back to like three years old. I remember I'd like put a doll in my shirt and go, look, mommy, I'm having a baby. And like, if you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was always a singer, a dancer and a mommy. Those were like my three. We see which one came to play. I did. I did dance for a long time, never professionally, but I did dance for a long she's, time. She's a great but, ballerina. She's great. And, but, but I always, always, always from as for as long as I have memory, I always wanted to be a mom and now I get to be. And yeah. I, I don't... and she's a good rock and roll wife. I tell her that a lot. <laughs> she's very patient when I'm on the road. And when I need, when I write songs, she'll say something and she goes, Oh wait, are you lyricing? Are you lyricing? <laughs> okay. And she'll let me do my thing. Wait, she knows. Wait, here's the Mike early lyricing face. <laughs> Creativity so, in action. She, she respects my art. And I, that, that oh, I love his art. Yeah. I love his art. Yeah. You, you, if you're with somebody and you're an artist, you, they better be your biggest fan or it's going to be, it's going to be tough. I mean, they don't have to be your biggest fan, but they better like what you do or it's going to be a little tough. It, you know, guys, the, the definition of synergy is the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And that's why we you know, call what we do couple synergy. You know, right. the two of you coming together creates so much, something so much bigger. And that really sounds like you guys have been able to do that. It's really beautiful to hear. Thank you. Thank you. So before you write the sequel called <laughs> Taking Harrison to Disneyland, <laughs> how can people find your music? 
Oh, the easiest way is, well, other than streaming sites, michaelgurleymusic.com. You use that. This is my new record. You can. Oh, it's getting. Oops. Wait. Oh, it's getting, there we go. There it is. There we go. Ultrasound. Ultrasound. <laughs> awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. michaelgurleymusic.com. And he's on Instagram at, at girlyshow. G-U-R-L-E-Y-S-H-O-W at Girly Show. He has an artist page on Facebook. Well, Michael and Stacey, we want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This has been a lot of fun. And we want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. You know, sharing stories is a way that human beings have been bonding, growing, and healing since the beginning of time. And we hope that you guys sharing your story has enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as our home study course called Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.